1: Back Welcome, women, to the Free Birth Society podcast. I am here with another beautiful episode. Isn't this season awesome? Before we get going, I want to say that we are closing registration for the Midwife Within retreat very soon. So please grab your spot. If you are wanting to come, come be in person with us. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to learn the art of village midwifery with elder midwife, sister Morningstar. You can go to matriarchrisingfestival.com slash midwife within, grab one of our last spots, and I'll see you in May. Okay, another thing I want to mention here is that we just opened up work trade positions for Matriarch Rising Festival 2024. Come co-create one of the most magical events on the planet with us. We would love to have you on our team. You can check that out and apply at matriarchrisingfestival.com slash work dash trade. I actually met today's guest at last year's Matriarch Rising Festival with her new little sweet daughter that she's here today, to speak the story of. So my guest's name is Heather, and Heather discovered her unplanned pregnancy amidst a hectic trade show circuit, and she realized her life was about to take an unexpected twist. She navigated debilitating pregnancy sickness as she worked in corporate America. She has her first birth in a hospital supported by a doula, but Heather wanted more. She wanted better. The gaslighting that she encountered from her medical midwife during her second labor proved to be a pivotal moment in her journey, enabling her to find her voice and claim her life. Enjoy.
2: All right, Heather, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here.
1: Yeah, this is so fun to get to do this. And this has happened with a couple other guests as well, where I meet you pre this baby, you know, we work together and, and do coaching together. And then you come to the freaking festival with your free birth baby. And now you're on the podcast. It's such a fun, you know, spiral and full circle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy
2: to meet you, Emily. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me.
1: So let's get into it. Who are you before your first baby and kind of contextualize a bit of of your life and and who you are as you're heading into your first
2: child? Yeah, um, it's such a journey. You know, I always kind of like toted myself as like, um, you know, we, we lived on a three acre homestead. At the same time, I was like, it's like split personalities. I'm in corporate marketing, running a three acre homestead. So working in high tech and, you know, tending to goats and in, in off my off hours, going and picking up new goats, adding more farm animals, big garden, um, but kind of in a split world, right? Like um, living into these two identities. And as we navigated our first birth, we weren't planning it. My my partner and I've been together for, I think, probably eight years at that point, a long journey. And it was right before a trade show circuit. And I knew that he had been calling in the baby that it's time. I want to start this family. And lo and behold, you know, James's spirit came. And so I went on a three event, three week event circuit and didn't know I was pregnant. was like falling asleep at this trade show (laughs) and then flew from New York to Miami, then from Miami to Orlando and got back and took a pregnancy test and was like, oh, wow, (laughs) this is happening um, so that was, you know, it was, I was like in the Sympathine world of like, okay, now I need to shift, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to go on. And at this point, where are you living? I was in Santa Cruz. So at that point, that okay. was in the Valley, I was working in the Bay Area, doing that hour commute each way. Oh my God. Yeah, no. Isn't it crazy what we've like done <laughs> in really our previous is. lives? It really is. It feels like different lives in a good way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, in a good way. I was just recently in a city this weekend and I was just like, what is wrong with me? I can't handle it. I can't handle the the parking and the garages and the what? signs. And I've completely calibrated out to a whole different.
2: I always joke that it was like my sanctuary. We come home to like the three acres, like tucked in the Santa Cruz mountains. Like, yeah, sure. You know, Santa Cruz is like 100,000 people, I think now, but it doesn't feel like like mm-hmm. San Jose or San Francisco mm-hmm. right? and then like commute into these parking structures every day, like battle the the freeway. And it's like, wow, this is nuts, but you just do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Totally. That's, that's what's the normal. You. Okay. So you
1: get pregnant and what happens? What do you, what's, what do you, what's your setup? Do you go to a doctor or a midwife? Who, how are you starting to imagine your pregnancy is going to be and your birth?
2: Well, it's so interesting because it's like before that, you know, I was really sick as a kid, I had, um, I had epilepsy, I was in and out of the hospital, I literally lived in the in Stanford for probably like three months, with a turban wrapped on my head for them to test like brain. So whoa, childhood was really medicalized, right. And that was kind of like the only way I really knew, you know, um, and so, but, you know, in my teen years, as I was healthy, I never went in, it was like, well, I don't need to, like, you know, you just kind of, and then all of a sudden, you're pregnant. And it's like, Now there's this whole regiment that is like expected of you. Right. And I, I didn't know, you know, I'm like, this is what I need to do. Right. Okay. You go in, they validate your pregnancy test. Right. They, they want to give you an ultrasound right there. You know, with his birth, I I knew Brian really wanted to start the family and I'd never been pregnant before. Well, actually that's not true. I think I might've had a miscarriage early on. um, But I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. And so I went and got a uh, ultrasound, you know, what, eight weeks just to be able to share that with him to make sure it was right, because I didn't want, you know, I just didn't even know, like, do you trust the test? Do you not? Um, And then that jump started everything, right? So it was like, the whole regiment. Um, And, and I, you know, at that time, I felt good about that, because I was like, okay, that's what's expected of me, this is what you do. And, you know, there was it was just they kicked us off into, you know, he was elated that we were pregnant, they kicked us off into this like joint, um, actually prenatal circle. So they did your like, it was weird, it was actually really cool. It was all other first time parents, we were in, you know, a group setting. And it would be really cool in the sense if we were just like communing and like talking and like having this whatever, but there was all the prenatal stuff involved. So you go in there, you take your weight once a week they do the Doppler on you. um, And then you sit down, you hear the baby's heartbeat, and then you sit down as a group and you talk through and follow this little book where you track everything like down to a T. And we did that, you know, Um, we did that the whole way through in his pregnancy. And we'll see this theme as we go through all these. um, I get hyperemesis. (laughs) I'm one of those lucky people, which whether we say it's real or not, right, that I'm just vomiting like crazy. And doing that, you know, running, I was a marketing director at this time, traveling all over the United States and the world, running these big events. And so I would barf the whole way to the airport as he drove me. Sometimes, like, I remember one time it was, like, in the Lindor rice cake bag. It was, like, desperation. Like, why did I have that rice cake bag? I don't know. And then would, you know, proceed to barf the whole rest of my business trip. Um, So that was one layer that was really threw me for a loop and as we get to my last and my free birth my I really owned that right because this is a part like this is a part of my journey and so um actually at one event talk about like just the craziest experience the, it had been happening for so long that I started vomiting blood oh and goodness. I was in Las Vegas running a huge conference I'm that kind of person where I'm totally type a and so I'm barfing all morning, see there's blood. I'm like, oh, no, in Las Vegas. But who's going to set up the event? I have to set up the event. So I call the emergency emergency room. Is this a problem? They're like, yeah, you got to come in. I'm like, well, I'll be there later if you could fast track me. I go set up the event, <laughs> lifting all these boxes, right? And then go into the emergency room. And then they proceed to do the whole thing of you need to take regulin. You need to take whatever this old, whatever all the prescriptions are with this stuff and had deemed that I had um, severe varicose veins from the intense vomiting that came with HG. And at that time, when in in reality, someone just needed to say, quit your job, sweetheart. Yeah. Or take a break. Right. Same, same. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, and so it, it wasn't, it was like, here's the tool that you can keep running a million miles an hour. Just like we're expected when we go into our menstrual cycle, right? Like we feel we need to like take a break, but we're pushed. There's no, there's no break to be had unless we carve that out for ourselves. And that's something as we get into that I've learned. Right. Um, but this time it was just follow the regiment, you know? And at that time I felt, it felt a little weird to me, like, but it was like, okay, I'm not going to question it. You know, the white coat thing where it's like,
1: mm. okay,
2: this is, you know, you're telling me what's in my best interest. So I'm going to do that, you know? And so with his, you know, progressed on and there is this was a big theme, you know, with James at about eight months pregnant, my husband, um, he'd had three back surgeries before this. And his back went out. And he could not move. It was my town. I was running, you know, really intense work, you know, eight months pregnant, had been going through, you know, all of our appointments, I was fine. I'm, you know, I'm healthy, we stay active, we're doing all this, like, but it was the anxiety was intense at that point. He couldn't move, and it actually got so bad they rushed him in to an immediate surgery. At that surgery, they snipped his um, uh, where it releases spinal fluid. Whoa, so losing, losing spinal fluid. Um, you mean so you mean on accident? An accident. Oh my god! So they had to put him into another emergency surgery. At this surgery, in his back again, and this is his lower back. This is where they introduced a staph infection. Whoa. And so, after that surgery, he got a staph infection in his spine, and I was eight months pregnant, and it was crazy. It was like this whole like living in this hospital, right? Like, and now he is. I'm having to give him a pick line, uh, intravenous medication, twice a day at home, my and house. have then flush everything after three hours. At eight months pregnant, trying to like own what my body is doing, and all the while like navigate as you know this first pregnancy of like what's this going to look like and what are my fears like i i knew i wanted to have a natural at this time of what i thought natural birth which meant like no epidural right at the hospital i had a doula friend that was really wonderful um and she supported me um but you know she even she had, had her home birth before that and was like you know why don't you have you know have you thought about this it wasn't really a conversation but i was like I was so on this trajectory of like, this is what needs to do. And all the women in my corporate work talking, you know, about like, whoa, you're not going to, you know, are you going to do, are you going to vaccinate? Are you going to do this? You're not going to have an epidural. I mean, that was crazy, you know, but the fear I had to sit with was, can I handle this? Like all these people around me are like that th- having, not having an epidural is crazy. Right. So it like puts me in this headspace all the while dealing with Brian's health thing. So at that time he's, this went on for like, two months, this, this pick medication. So right before I gave birth is actually when he finally got better. And I, there was a time when I, I thought I was going to lose him. Like it was such a severe thing. Like the doctor, I was like, what is the likelihood of this becoming really bad? And he's like, we just have to see because it was in his spine underneath, you know, it was in, inside of him. And so I'm like trimming goat hooves. I'm like mucking stalls. <laughs> I'm barfing. <laughs> and super pregnant and like so emotional right like what is going on here but we get through it and um and are you guys like pretty alone oh yeah like I mean we have family over there but it's like yeah there wasn't you know there were some people rallying around us but it was yeah I mean like Brian's boss at that time built me a stand where I trimmed the goat hooves on which was awesome and they were like that family was amazing but They have kids right he's running a company it's like as far as like a lot of support to like help through this you know nobody was coming in and helping me with the pick line or any of this stuff it was us but at that time we didn't have kids so you know it was much more manageable than if we were in that state now and so
1: how how is your mental health heading into your first birth
2: oh it was rough yeah there was a lot of like feeling I was definitely feeling sorry for myself. Why am I you know, but and then having to grapple with that, like, and I don't think I grappled with that at that time. But it was like, it was a part of this journey, right? Like of self awareness, and realizing like, I got to put my big girl pants on and we're just going to handle this, you know. Um, And I had a a friend at that time that had had a natural birth at um, Sutter Hospital, which is in Santa Cruz. And it's like, if you're gonna give birth in a hospital, I mean this is the one you get a balcony, you get your own room, they have a birth tub or a pool in their tub that you can't birth in. But of course uh, not.
1: But you can not. you know what? You can look
2: at it yeah. and you can you can think about maybe going in there at some well, point. You know what I told them? I said, I'm in there and I'm gonna give birth, like, are you gonna like and I'm just gonna do it. Are you gonna pull me out of there? And they're like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll pull you out of there. Like, I don't know, I can get pretty mean, like you might not want to see, pull me out of there and it was like this like almost joking but kind of like no really like you No no joking. we'll actually pull you out oh,
1: yeah no no you're on turf. funny
2: yeah exactly <laughs> so, you know we do the whole thing we're in these like the the centering groups is what they call them we're going through it right and then um tour the hospital all the stuff they put you through to like get prepared pack your hospital bag um and James came you know right on right on the clock, I knew when he was conceived, because I had that three week event circuit, you know, and that was the only time it was right before there. And just by, you know, by God's alignment, it was like, I was ovulating right on that day when we did it. And, and his spirit was for sure called in, like in a needed way, his game changer for our life. Um, But his birth, you know, it was like, it was like the unicorn like hospital birth, it was straightforward, like my labors are pretty quick, Um, I was grateful that I had my girlfriend that was a doula, because she gave me some good guidance that I didn't know at the time. And that was labor at home alone, uh, at home as long as you can. Right? Um, Before like going in there and you know, right, like avoid prison. Exactly. Avoid the bright lights, avoid all that until, you know, and it wasn't even that she was pushing me there because she had had her home birth until I choose that that's where I need to be. You know, right? Um, so we you know our last night before he was born as we walk, you know, go for a walk on Capitola Beach. We went and had lunch at like Britannial Arms over there, walked up the sand. It was beautiful. I had, you know, one thing I did start in his pregnancy was like my journey to more holistic approaches in medicine. And I'd always been like, you know, I I grew up at the Yuba River and the Sierra Nevada's and Nevada City. Like that's where Brian and I met. Like I was always really crunchy and that like I said it's like two lives corporate Heather and then crunchy Heather over here right um Trinity I love Heather. how
1: just like like liking nature is crunchy <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know well and I only say that because like through this thing like even the women that I worked with were like oh you're so crunchy like are you granola are you mm-hmm. you know that's what you would classify it in tech right of you're course. not city right you're not doing this. like it's abnormal mm-hmm Mine maybe was a little more, you know, I was like sleeping at the river. Yeah. So, you know, last night that before the birth, it was like, went on that beautiful walk, got home. And the one fear I really had of not having experienced birth was what's this going to feel like? Like, am I going to, you know, it was like almost like people describe, well, it, it feels like you're about ready to die. That's what somebody I remember telling me. So in his labor, it was like, which is totally not the case. <laughs> I mean, for some people it is people it is but I mean it's like how we frame it right like of course it could feel like that but at the same time like it's the level of resistance I felt it, for me it's the levels of resistance if I'm resisting it it's going to feel worse than if I allow it to wash over me and that's what I learned through the subsequent pregnancies but in this case um yeah I came on in the middle of the night I remember waking up at 1 a.m in the morning and it was like boom okay this is it um and then just labored by myself all night long, you know, uh, trying to rest as much and then come the morning time called my doula. And I'm just being quick on this one. Cause I want to spend more time on our other ones, but she came down and she got there about seven 30 and I'm like writhing a bit at that point. Right. And she goes, I think you're probably around a six. And I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I need to start pushing. And she's like, Oh, well then we need to go but I had been, you know, I internalize a lot. So in my head, I'm like, you know, working through this and we get there and sure enough, you know, spent that whole car ride in transition. Don't recommend that. Nobody wants to be in a car and transition. That was horrendous. Get to the hospital. And yeah, I was, you know, they do the, the check, right. It's like, um, yeah, you're eight, eight centimeters. And the nice thing about that is that they don't make you do any paperwork <laughs> when you get to the hospital that close. So I spent some time in the pool there. Well, a our- lot
1: of hospitals do. You got you got yeah. lucky that if I got- they put that <laughs> off. I've seen I've seen women, you know, near crowning being made to sign stuff and answer questions. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's cruel. That's mm-hmm. cruel. Well, we got up. I remember we're in the elevator and I'm like writhing and I, I'm keeping it together, but she didn't push the button and she's like, "Oh shoot, I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> so we're just standing in the elevator for like three minutes. And we get into the room and I get into that tub. Um, and I had these blessing way beads that my beautiful women made for me up in the Sierra Nevadas um in our hometown. And I'm holding on to those um and handling it, but it was intense. And I was vom- I started vomiting, and I'd been vomiting that whole pregnancy that I knew that was gonna be for some, and I probably called that in a little bit. And so they gave me an IV for water for and she could not find my vein. And I'm like, sit still. And that is the hardest thing to do when you're sitting in a tub in transition with bright lights all over you. Right. And she's my whole arm at the end of it was black and blue. She finally got it. That was a mistake. It was like, you know, then you're tethered to this thing. And sure enough, then the projectile vomiting comes. So bless my doula's heart, who's like holding this tub, like catching it and is like, are you done? I'm like, no. I'm not done yet. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, it's like the the thing, you can't stay in here. Now you got to go lay on the bed. You have to lay on the bed. And they're like trying to offer me nitrous gas, which because I, you know, oh, you don't want to have an epidural, which I guess isn't as uncommon in Santa Cruz or, you know, I knew quite a few that had done it there. But they put this mask on me. I'm like, get this off my face. Like, I can't breathe. Like, you know, no, thank you. Uh-uh so um it's barbaric it is it's you know it's like and i'm you know whether it's coming from a good place or not defeats the fact that it's of course it's not making all
1: attempts to drug women in labor is not coming from a
2: good place it's coming from an indoctrinated like this is what i believe is what i'm supposed to do to help you and it's so far from the truth right that's not what we need as women in that moment and, and there was a fear that I had with his birth was tearing. I had this weird hang up on <clears throat> what it would feel like to tear. Worse. It's not weird. That's really yeah. common. What well, is totally, but it like just, and then you realize like, it's so intense. You don't even really feel it in that moment. But I remember like, okay, now you need to bear down. there was so much, even though I made this whole birth plan, like no coach pushing, none of this, right. Everything gets kind of thrown out the window. Um, and my body wasn't ready yet even though he came really quickly, like knowing what I know now, I wasn't ready to push. And so mm-hmm. I pushed against it and I pushed hard because man, i had been trimming goat coves and hauling hay and doing all this. Like I was ready for that push. <laughs> and what happened? I tore mm-hmm. because I pushed against my body. Uh, I didn't feel the tear, but it's just interesting because that never happened with my next two births.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. So, and then, you know, the Pitocin, all that, right. It's like, then the, it's like, The massage, just, I remember, you know, and then getting stitched up. He's so beautiful. Have him on my chest. Right. And it's like, that was excruciating, you know? I mean, that was probably worse than the birth was getting stitched up right after that. Of course. Just insanity. Um, And we stayed there for two days and then, you know, that was the start of my motherhood journey. And um, one of the big pivotal moments where there is I knew I wasn't going to vaccinate. And so that was what really started going down. You know, I didn't, I didn't take any of the vaccines through my pregnancy. I know that was like a crazy thing that people looked at. They're like, what, you're not, you know, always pushing back. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it today. You know, not, and I just, you know, held firm on that. I'm glad I did. Um, this is something that kind of came up in my like teenage to early adult years uh, is where I started to learn a little bit more about this, but not as much as I know now. Right, because I didn't really need to. When you're a, a person by yourself, you're like, oh, what? They push one of flu vaccines on you a year. When you have a kid, what is it? I'm like 76 now. <laughs> 76 vaccines in like the first year or so. It's crazy. So, um, that kind of started this journey. And I remember in you know, or me off to this trajectory. And then it's expected of you that you go to these wellness visits, right? Like. I don't know why in my head, I didn't realize that any of this was optional. It was mm, like, because they don't to, say it is, you don't say it is. So you're as this person that's like type A, I'm like, Oh, I have to do this. And then I'm just following along. And at one moment I'm like, why the hell am I going to these visits? Like, and I remember our pediatrician, she was actually, she was, she's like, yeah, you don't need to be here. She was, I got lucky in that department. She never, and you she got, had, some got some basic <laughs> honesty, that's some basic honesty, um, and I always, I needed to scratch beneath the surface because I was really sick as a kid. I was in and out of the hospital. I highly believe that that was because of a vaccine injury. Right. And, um, and that, you know, I went into mm. when I had all this stuff. So I pushed and asked for her cause I needed her help because you can't get any testing done. You know, you have to have somebody in the medical systems help to do it. And we found out that um he has the MTH of our gene mutation. Like I, you know, so I was really grateful that I didn't I knew enough to not put him through what could have what could have happened mm-hmm. if his body could have really suffered from, given the added layer of that inability to detox. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I just stopped going. And, you know, and she was actually supportive of that. I could use that that tool when I needed to, if I absolutely needed to, like if he one time he smashed his finger. At a daycare in the door, and it was bad. So we Uh needed to, but otherwise, you know, stop doing that. Boy, was that a stress relief not Uh getting pressure to, you know, oh, you're not going to do this, facts. You're not going to do that one. What about this combo pack, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A combo pack. Combo pack. Good old Uh, combo. Okay. Wow. So then with, um, And if we can shift, I can go into kind of Junies, you know, this kind of started my trajectory. And it's so, okay, actually, this is a good point. I found Free Birth Society podcast on a shortly after he was born. I think he was probably, I was on maternity leave for about two months, two, maybe three months total, and then took him and my husband with me on my next trade show, which was he was born on June 20th. Um, the trade show was in September. So it really didn't take a very long maternity leave at all. But on one of those upcoming business trips is where I found your podcast. And this really kind of kickstarted this whole, aha, like what, you know? Uh, and I remember it was, um, one of the stories was like how the love on this woman, you know, she has this beautiful free birth and then the women are tending to her as equally as they're helping to tend to the baby. And this concept of like, I think a lot of us, we get lost you know, everybody comes, visits you after birth, you know, at least for me. And they're like, Oh, let me see the baby. There's no tending to you as the woman, a part of the baby, the nourishment that comes with that. Right. That was a big aha moment for me and, and something I really wanted to call in later. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, you know, I consumed your podcast just like crazy. It was like, wow, this is beautiful. Like this, this feels right. Right. And like, this is, this is awesome. Um and, you know, June wasn't, wasn't conceived till, you know, she, they're two years apart. So there's this journey throughout that stage of, you know, really learning and leaning into my motherhood and who do I want to be as a mom? What am I providing my kid? Right. And this holistic lifestyle that is very contrasting to how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I said, I was in and out of the hospital. So it was kind of like in, for me, a no man's land. I, I didn't, you know, really know how to navigate this and, you know, working in corporate, like, all these things are expected. Well, then we get into my COVID baby. Right. (laughs) So that's the whole, the whole other side. So, um, yeah, I can, I can talk through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we consciously called in June, um, you know, and all the while before that had been listening to free birth society been diving in a bit more, um, joining some more like homeopathic groups, like ways to to figure out how I could even just like treat myself. And, you know, this will come to kind of a head when we talk through Millie, but like, what are the tools out there? The resources, the natural resources that I have and the natural abilities and where's the community, right? And I didn't find actually your community till a bit later until we actually connected after June. But this was the start of it where the seed was planted at that point, right? So with June, we called her in and I kind of started back on the same course. And then realized like, okay, I wanted to have a home birth this time. I got, you know, back engaged with, with the, um, on-site doctors and then realized, no, I want to do a home birth this time. And I think I had the thought of like, maybe free birth is an option. It's hard to think back, but I, maybe that I, I wasn't capable of that yet. Or how do I do that? Right. And um, excuse me, medical yeah. midwifery in the home is really
1: until, until you, the wool is like lifted, it really seems like the best of both worlds.
2: Yeah. It does. That's what it felt like at that time. Yeah. I knew so many women like beautiful women that had had their home births. Right. And the thing is, is it's, every person is unique. Every, you know, midwife versus medwife is unique. And I would say that as I compare both stories with James and June, June's birth was much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I actually contacted you for is to unpack from the birth trauma that I, I left this situation. So coming in with this mindset of I'm going to be safer at home, right. I, this is more comfortable for me. I mean, you know, his birth, I, when I left his birth, I was on top of the world. I, at that time, cause I felt, you know, yeah, there was stuff I didn't like, you know, they're like, let me check you. And I'm like, get your fingers out of me. Like, no, I'm in the. I'm trying to do my thing here, and I don't need to be like fingered while I'm doing it. Please, like, but they, you know, oh, okay, that's expected of me. When we get into, you know, the midwives, I'm interviewing a lot of midwives. This woman came recommended to me by my my close friend, and um, I love her to death. But I know she didn't necessarily know, you know, um, it's hard to know exactly how each one operates, right? Of course. Uh, and I felt also like- also a lot of women that are
1: recommending their midwife haven't critiqued what's happened to them. So like, of course they still had sutures and directed pushing and da 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 but it happened on her bed and she yeah. got to be fed right after and she got, it's so much better in some, you know, like crazy Miracle- cognitive yeah. dissonance way that unless they're critiquing what they had, you know, they're just recommending more medical intervention without even really grasping it
2: exactly well and then it yeah and it's kind of like you say it it's actually when you flip the switch uh and i've heard you say this before it's almost worse when it's in your home own home it can be yeah when you start to look through that lens because then oh, yeah. it's it's not like you get to leave the place and never look at it again
1: it's also like the sister wound mm-hmm. you know like it doesn't you kind of expect to be treated um like robotically, you know, be a number in the hospital. Right. But when you endear yourself to one specific woman for months and she's in your home and she meets your kid and she hears your dreams and then does the same bullshit, that betrayal can cut so much deeper. Of course.
2: Yeah. And that was a lot of this because I found her, um, and I felt like we we connected. I really thought I did my due diligence of saying, like, I really want to have my own autonomy. I don't need someone to be like, I don't want you like touching me and all this stuff. What I need is when I, I come to the transition, this is what I said, when, at transition, I just need someone to affirm me, mm. to hold space for me, right? I, I really want to minimize checks. I don't want this. And she seemed good with that. Yeah. So that was a part of kind of um, the journey with her. It was, you know, I I'd interviewed with um, one of her other people. This was, a, this was, should have been the red flag is that she was really like hands-on is her partner that she works in the business with. And looking back, I should have tuned into that. So fast forward, but um, we had been evacuated from the CZU fire. Oh, right.
1: Wait, wait. I wanted to ask a question before you get into that. I'm wondering like below the surface, like, if it's true that you only wanted someone to affirm you, why did you hire a medical provider? Yeah.
2: Well, probably because I think on the deeper level, there was the anxiety, right? That, like, what if something goes wrong for me? And this right. is, okay. I had to unpack with Millie. This is a lot of like the fear unpacking. But at that time, I didn't acknowledge that, right? Right. I Which just... is
1: an important thing to flesh out. For all these women listening, right? Because we say stuff on the surface level and it doesn't mean it's not true. There's just also- Trace it back. Like, you you know, why not have a friend or da, 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 right? If it's just exactly. the affirming and transition, like dig, I'm speaking to the listeners, like dig deeper to be honest about what you're really wanting to see if
2: it's in an alignment. And I think that's the key thing is once you can find out what it is, then you can tackle it. Mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to lean in and yeah. and fear is like fear is a part of a, a part of our journey with this, right? Because there's so many voices all around us telling us you can't, you can't do that, or birth is scary, or this or that. And so we have to like unpack all of that. And that's something I had to do is with her, is I think I, I called a medical midwife in because I had that fear. And even at that time when I didn't acknowledge that, or I gave myself like this vanilla this vanilla icing to, you know, make it feel better. Like, Oh, I just want mm-hmm. you to transition. I think what was really there is like, can I do this?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. You know? And so I had that fear of like, well, as I look back and I reflect, I opened my space up mm-hmm. to become sabotaged because I did not unpack my fear
1: mm-hmm.
2: because I didn't acknowledge or allow myself to acknowledge that fear. Right. And then do the work, do the work in it, you know? And I didn't have to, because I had someone there that I could just like, they could just tell me what to do, right? And that's
1: yeah. And you I, also didn't know yet that medical midwifery is
2: birth sabotage. I know. Well, you know, yeah, and now I know is like, but I I guess I didn't even like like try to consciously look at that. Yeah. Like, what is this going to really shape out to be? <clears throat> right? When when I'm was essentially offloading my responsibility and my my autonomy to this other person. Right. Like, of course it's going to be sabotage because I'm literally like, I mean, and we'll get it. I'll, I'll talk through how this happened in the sense of like, you know, like even to fast forward a little bit, even why I I didn't have a water birth with June because I didn't fill my own pool. Was I looking, you know, all of a sudden I was looking for her to do that, like to tell me that it was okay to do that. Mm. You know, like when I look back and take that radical responsibility, right? I had, I was trying to take my power back by having a home birth mm-hmm. by trusting, you know, somebody that I thought, a different would person. <laughs> but why am I trusting somebody else when yeah. I'm the one that, you know, I'm the most yeah. powerful yeah. one here. I'm the birthing mother here. I should you, back. should you know that though? Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. And should I allow myself to know that? So that, you know, started the trajectory with her. Um, and, before birth, you know, right before I gave birth, we were evacuated. So all of a sudden I was kind of sent on this like spiral and I did all my prenatals. I did my, my stuff with her. Um, I did a few even in um, the doctor's office, like just to keep, uh, it was a lot easier to get paperwork through them. So navigating like high tech maternity leave is demanding. They require, Hmm. it's not necessarily demanding. They just require like check boxes checked and proof. Right. So it makes it like, and I'll I'll share when we get to Millie's how I navigated that Mm -hmm. by not engaging in this. Right. It's totally doable. Mm -hmm. It's just thinking outside of that checked box, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And like, of
1: course, high tech corporate requires and and is set up to integrate with high tech pregnancy. Like, of course,
2: of course. (laughs) Overlaps. They're like, great, you know, all these great forms. Like, easy for us to put in your file, you know on each side. So um yeah with you know with June I didn't really I had extreme nausea with her but I I didn't have to go um, through the st- the the intense sickness. So that was nice. <laughs> um, that it, yeah and it's interesting because you know whatever those stigmas of boy versus girl pregnancy. Um, we did, I did the ultrasounds with her. I didn't do nearly as many as I did with James. Cause I was so, I was so, I was so sick with James that it was like, when I am saying that in quote, and I'm doing quotations here because I wasn't, it was just a part of my pregnancy story. I was, you know, I was nauseous and throwing up the whole time. I wasn't actually sick. There wasn't something wrong with me. Right. As I look back, um, at least in my opinion, but the, you know, well, we got to give you more ultrasounds because of X, Y, Z. And I mm-hmm. followed along with that with June. It was just the standard stuff that they put me through. And I felt followed through with that. I wish I would have, I didn't know what I know now about them. Um, why were you evacuated? We were evacuated from the CZU fire. So that big fire that came ripping through the Santa Cruz mountains um, was like three miles as the crow flies from our house. And so that, that was the fire that burnt all the old redwood groves down, all the old, the redwood forests down. And I remember that night, Emily, um, I was, it was so hot. We don't have AC. Um, we had fans and it, we had a dry thunderstorm. And I remember the power going out and laying on the couch and being like, please just give some rain. Please just like cool this down, like so pregnant. Right. And like, this is hot in the dead of summer because she wasn't, she was born September 10th. So It was, um, but that night is when the fire started because all the thunder, there wasn't, you know, it was dry lightning that came through. Um, and so we were evacuated for two weeks, had to get all the farm animals out of there.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. It was intense, thick smoke. I mean, ash falling from the sky. It was so, it was gnarly. It was really intense. Um, um, went to second,
1: second, crazy ass drama right before you give birth.
2: Yeah. I know. Isn't that weird? Let's break that cycle. (laughs) It changes. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we're, you know, I get back in, I think a week and a half before I gave birth, I'm supposed to have this home birth. It was, it was intense. My mental state was intense again, because at that time I wasn't, I was doing a home birth at my home. Right. And where am I going to give birth? I remember having like other women opening up their spaces to me. I went and toured a few spaces. We weren't sure if we were going to get back. We weren't sure if our house was still going to be there, like, Whoa. you know, and being prepared to have a newborn. Right. Um, So it was intense. And, um, but luckily, you know, I, I navigated through that. There was a lot of fears that came up and I don't think it set me up for a great stage in my birth. So get back into the house and, you know, just to kind of summarize here, as we got through this, it's, it, she, my water started leaking the day before, and that was new for me. My, I, my waters didn't break with James till I was pushing. So that threw me for a loop and she wasn't born till the following day, like 35 hours later. Right. Uh, Which I was grateful that she actually didn't medicalize that she didn't force me to go in. She wasn't, you know, but, um, when it came time for her to finally show up the following day at about 1130, I, my labors are now becoming very precipitous and she did not believe where I was. So we got caught into this kind of like tandem of where she checks me. I knew she, I shouldn't have let her check me. I was five mm. centimeters and that was at like 1245.
1: You're also a second time mom yeah. who had a primary first birth. Like,
2: yeah. Uh, and just to put it into context, fast she, birth, I meant not first. Five, birth. five centimeters. June was born at 216. Right. So. Ugh. So and so the she wanted to leave. She That's was like, insane. I felt like she thought I was dramatic. And so, but this goes into that, like, right. This, where I had to acknowledge this when I went through my stuff with Millie or my pregnancy and my birth with her is like, why was I outsourcing to her? I was, I was looking because, and this is a part of the journey of unpacking your fears and acknowledging yourself as an individual in this space. Right. Like, yeah, there's scary stuff that we have to work through as women, like that we might be holding on to but give yourself the, the grace to see that. Um and then you can heal from it, right? But I didn't do that with her. So I, you know, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm feeling really close." And she's like, "I actually think you're plateauing." And I'm like, "What?" And she wanted me to go walk around the property that was thick smoke. It was dark outside and it was noon. It was like black skies. Plateauing, I- literally who would ever say that to a mother? And
1: she told God. me to go
2: Go walk the property or go take a nap. So trying to heed her advice, because for whatever reason, I'm like trying to waddle my way to bed you know, probably edging on transition at this point. It was excruciating. And then she's I'm like having contractions, like I'm losing my head because I'm in this I'm in this rift. So I'm right. and then she's like, oh, well, right, and she's
1: just- gaslighting you in labor. So to tell you that what you're feeling isn't actually true. And of course she knows best because she's the authority and you've already set that up with her. So she's literally gaslighting what is real for you in your body mm-hmm. as you're about to birth.
2: And then I'm second guessing. Now my body, of course. that's what gaslighting means. Me. Yes. Yeah. So then, then she says this to me, she's like, I say, you can't go. I'm not going to be able to call you. Right. I'm But I'm not saying it that calmly, right? I'm like, because I'm you know, <laughs> popping out of my head. And she goes, "Oh, that's great! I love when husbands call." And I'm like, "No, you can't go. This is, you know, probably very shortly before I give birth." And she goes, "You are here. You need to be here. We'll know when you're there."
1: Okay, so so for people who can't see this, she's holding like a hand up for the middle, and then holding up her hand, you know, up above above right to show that she's nowhere near. Where uh, she needs to be,
2: and I'm like, the, the fuck, like, <laughs> what?
1: So condescending.
2: So I mean. Goes, you know what? We're just gonna go outside and go for a walk. Give, give you some space. At this point, I'm like, I'm, I'm so progressed. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Go, get out of here. Like, whatever. Ew. But I, all the while, I'm losing my head because now we've had this dialogue where I'm like, she knows, mother knows best, kind of thing is what I'm going through. Like, she knows best. I have a long ways to go. She's like, you, you must be
1: crazy. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's what she said to me. You got a lot of work to do. Ew. All the what I know. And so I'm like, I'm hanging on my husband. I'm like, I can't. You got to call. Well, the saving grace from the evacuation. A doula reached out and said, "I would like to support you virtually, um, because you're going through all this. Do you need just some woman witnessing, right? I was able to call her in that moment and just get some kind witnessing, and she helped." Me. Me reground, like she didn't help because she was virtually, but just words that weren't gaslighting me Jesus. helped me regain myself. And and then all of a sudden, I I hear the virtual doula go, "She's about ready to have a baby. That you need to get that midwife." I mean, because I you know, the midwife was just checked out. This was like ten minutes from when she walked out the door. And of course, my husband has to go find her, one hundred and fifty feet away at the chicken coop. She comes back in. I'm on the toilet, like in you know, shaking, sweating. Um, with somehow holding the phone with the virtual doula, <laughs> I don't even know, to, whatever. <laughs> um, and she comes in, she's like, get off the toilet. And I looked at this midwife and I was all, I will get off the fucking toilet when I'm ready to get off the toilet. Just and what it, bad vibes. I know. You it know? was so merges beautifully. You know, I, I, you know, like we owned my girl and I, we owned our body and our situation and our birth at that point. And I got, I didn't give a rat's what the midwife was doing at that point. She was shuffling Chuck's pads. Like there was a panic and my husband was there with me and I got on all fours on the couch, made my way over there. And she came out, she was halfway in halfway out, um, made a cry. He's crying, you know, she's crying. And then she finally emerged and she was perfect. But I fired that midwife 24 hours into that postpartum because it was, you know, it's a whole nother story, but you know, just, The gaslighting that came with that, you know, what do you want me to tell you? I fucked up. What do you want me to, you know, you, you had a, you had a beautiful birth. I'm like, no, you, you, you weren't listening to me. I was telling you. You literally didn't do your job. You were literally not listening to me and you were gaslighting me. I was telling you that I felt pressure and you told me (laughs) I'm going. And you remember
1: how you hired her to hold space during transition. And instead she gaslit you and abandoned you and went and hung out with your chickens. I hope took-
2: she listens to this episode. I do too. It was, it was tragic. It was like, but in this do set, better, yeah, do better. And, and listen to women, listen to women because we actually know something when we're going through that. Right. Like, so the, the big lesson was that was no way I do know, I knew my body was close. I was close. Yeah. So that that started the journey unfortunately threw me in obviously into a weird postpartum depression because it was like a a starting this birth in this crazy way so that really led to this healing journey for me of like why am i this people pleaser why do i just go with this flow and this is a big theme with millie's pregnancy um is like you know why am i not leaning into myself so to move through that and this is where we connected emily because this is where i reached out to you on that healing journey is to unpack that right um so i kind of full floors go into this um i need to own my voice i need to own my voice and who i am as an individual and why is this conditioning that i've gone through what is it let's acknowledge it let's put it all out there and face it right it's ugly to face but that's the only way we get through it so Brian and I do a huge change. We move across the country, (laughs) connect with you. Um, and you know, start calling in more like-minded women of like this is the kind of life I want to live, right? I want to, I wanna live in my voice, I want to live in um and protect my children and and heal from whatever I have that I'm carrying right? So we move across the country to Maryland, knew we wanted to, to call in another pregnancy. Um, absolutely beautiful journey. And we get over here and, and call in a, a third baby. And this is where it really starts into this, right? Um, where I really test myself. And I, I go through this stuff. And do
1: you know, at this point, that you're doing a wild pregnancy and a free birth?
2: Yes. I knew that I wanted a free birth. I knew that I wanted a wild pregnancy. Um, However, I had to get there. So um, with, with this pregnancy, I'm, you know, we're, we're still like in the throes of, of kind of the covid esh things. People are working from home. Um, The company I'm with at this time and still currently it's long hours, really demanding schedule. And I, I get, I'm sick again. I'm just all day. And I'm like, I can't do it like this. I'm not going to do it the same way I did before. So uh, eight weeks I went in to get the diagnosis because I need, I needed something to share if I was going to take a leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was my plan is if it kept going on like this, if I couldn't create scalability, I was going to take a leave so I could find that scalability. Well, this is what kind of puts me into the forefront of really having to face my, um, my people pleaser this is like kind of the theme that I go through in this pregnancy of finding my voice we're in there. And of course, you know, they want to onboard me. I say, no, I don't want to be onboarded as a patient. I just, I just need this diagnosis. Like I need this formalized and they go, okay, well we need to give you an ultrasound. I'm like, I really don't want to do an ultrasound. I say no several times. Right. And then no, but we'll just do it for two minutes. And I agree. And, and so in, you know, she did, she snapped one picture. It was quick, but I left there going, Oh, man, I'm doing this. I'm engaging this again. Um, it did end up becoming helpful for me to have that one when I fully left. But, um, this is where I reached out to the community and the free birth community. And I, and actually you gave me, you know, pointed me to the homeopath that we kindled a really beautiful friendship. And I started to find my own health journey. So I, we agreed that I was going to do some get a full panel of blood testing to see because I have had gastro um, intestinal issues, like my whole life, I've been struggling with severe heartburn, esophagitis, never wanted to take the like the whatever, whatever they call it, Prilosec or something, you know, for the rest of your life, didn't want to do that. But maybe this was contributing to what I was dealing with so intensely in pregnancy. So what's this healing journey look like, right? Um, so I would go back in at 11 weeks, just to get the blood panel. Just to get the pl- panel for the nature path, um, because it's covered by insurance, and they coaxed me in to another ultrasound, mm-hmm. and I left that, and I said, and that was totally unnecessary. Yeah, it was needed. like it wasn't needed, right? And I is like, I'm never going back into this. I'm not for nothing. I'm not going to go back into this system. I can't. And then I had to face myself of like, why am I people pleasing like this? I say my words. I say no. And then you know it it gets like whatever right worn down a little bit so I really had to face that and so I I took stood away from every other thing right I never got onboarded officially as a patient but I was like I'm gonna take full radical responsibility for me as an individual from here on now from here on out so from that 11 week mark on I did what I wanted to do right I I went and I, I got acupuncture when I felt like I wanted acupuncture to help with my anxieties or my, like, or the, the nausea, I worked with this nature path to work on my diet. And I, I cut and went to a therapeutic diet to like really regain my health. And it was healed. It was extremely healing to tune in and see what is my body saying? What does my body need? Right. Working with nature, natural medicine. Um, and it helped. I mean, I still was sick the entire pregnancy, like, you know, nauseated but I was able to take it with a new light. I owned it, you know, and I was like, okay, this is something that's happening to me. I'm, it's going to happen, whatever. Um, how, what do I want to make of it? You know, like, what's this, I'm not going to be a victim in it anymore. It's just going to be what it is. And I'm going to connect with my beautiful baby. I'm going to connect with my body. And so I used a fetoscope. if I, you know, at like 20 weeks, like trying to find, just trying to learn myself, you know, can I find baby? and i found baby you know and it was the most amazing relationship because even all the while while i'm still working in the same kind of work i did before i'm taking ownership for this part that is so intimately mine you know um and and loving that and and so as the pregnancy was progressing there's the fears that come up can i do this right the stuff that i never allowed myself to face before really or really acknowledge before um and it's real and um having to like to meditate on that and and my goal was is how can i get into better a better relationship with myself what is my inner voice telling me is this intuition is something wrong or is this fear and each time i sat with that and like actually really sat with that i realized it's fear okay where is this fear coming from you know what can i do to feel better about this? Do I need to, do I want to educate myself more? And as the the personality type that I am, I like to have information. So I did that and I read, you know, and I, and I cleared what I could for myself. Right.
1: Was there a particular tool or like sequence that you would utilize to discern between intuition and fear? Because that's a common uh, question that I will get, how do I know if it's intuition or fear? And I know my answers, but I'd like to hear what your discovery process was.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I, when I, it was very meditative. Like when I'd really sit with myself, I knew everything was fine. Like when I really sat, but there was this like this haze of fear in front of it. Well, what if, well, what if, what if you have shoulder dystocia? What if you, there's a nuchal cord, right? What if, what if this, and I knew that there was nothing like even gestationally, like, like I, I lost 20 pounds, this pregnancy, like I lost 20 pounds because I threw up multiple times every day, but I knew like, there could have been, there could have been right. Oh, something's wrong. There was a fear. Right. But I knew in my, like in my soul that when I really actually sat with myself, that I was fine. So it was
1: just, it was you just taking the, claiming the space to just stop and tune in yes, and really
2: get present. And then it would be obvious. Exactly. And then if I needed, Mm. like when I, when I would would tune in, if I would say, okay, I need some, like, I need some witnessing or I need some medicine. Like, and when I say medicine, I mean, like, um, a a chiropractic adjustment or just like, uh, or some body work or like the acupuncture, I would give myself that like, and, and that was like self care, right. And so and then I would leave those feeling like witnessed or feeling held, like I would try to make, make relationships, like even with the naturopath, and talk through some of these things, talk with trusted people that weren't trying to give me medical advice, but were trying to just hold space with me, Um, And that was like a sense of therapy, right, for me on my own journey of like, I'm feeling like this and to actually say it out loud, or even talking with my partner, like, acknowledging like, sometimes it's not pretty, like, right, you know, sometimes you're, I remember right before, you know, getting really as you, it was easier in the beginning, because I felt really confident in like my pregnant, pregnant body, I knew I was, you know, okay, I feel sick, but I knew I was healthy and fine. Um, I would do things for myself, like if I felt like I needed to, you know, like well, I started getting headaches at one point, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just, I'll, I'll take my blood pressure. If I felt like I needed to do that, like if there was something I felt I needed, I did it. And in the sense of like, listening with a fetoscope or like palpating myself, right? Nothing like going in, but, you know, taking exploring yourself, my blood pressure. Yeah, exactly. Like exploring my own capabilities to, to take what I needed for myself, but not at the hands of somebody else, you know? So I wasn't off of power. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So before we get into Millie's birth story, is there anything that you want to articulate about the choice to free birth and like, why not just hire and even more hands-off midwife just to be safe like what most women do
2: because anytime you let somebody into that space you're sharing that space and I knew that after that experience with June her energy would be in that space and it's it was it it needed to be a sanctuary for me I didn't want anybody else there I didn't want, I just wanted my, at some point I didn't even actually know if I wanted my partner there <laughs> that part, you know, like I had this beautiful vision, like maybe I would just be in the middle of the night by myself. Um, and I think it was like, like some parts were scary. Like, yeah, would it be scary to be alone? But then once sitting with those fears and like unpacking that, well, why am I feeling scared? Oh, because if something happened, well, I just knew it wasn't going to, and I prepared myself, like, If, like, shoulder dystocia, for example, like that was one thing that came up for me, right? Like, what about shoulder dystocia? Well, I'll bend my body, I'll move my body. My body has never been afraid to birth. Even with June, it wasn't afraid. I was never afraid in my body when you're actually in that zone. And I held on to that and knew that, like, I can try if I can lean in and surrender and trust my body and let go of this this analytical mind here in birth, everything is going to be fine. And if I let somebody else into that space, I run the risk of sabotaging that, right? Of off, off putting my power. And so this is a part that actually came up even with an RBK, um, because who is a great friend of mine and she's very kind, but, um, I needed to find someone to help me with my kids because I wasn't sure when I was going to give birth. And that was probably one of the points that was like the most stressful for me is like, who's going to be here so that if I want Brian with me, he can be with me to witness our, our child emerge. Right. And some, I you know, my kids are taken care of. So I focused almost a little bit more on that. It was weird. It was like, but I also didn't want somebody else in my space. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody that was comfortable with birth. That wasn't going to call totally the police or something on me. And I ended up not needing any of that because they were asleep. <laughs> exactly. I know, but we need the backup plans. Yeah. Um, So Then, you know, the other part that helped me work through my fears is actually I was listening to one of your podcasts with Sister Morningstar on it, and she was doing the newborn's first breaths. And she said something that really stood out. This is as I was getting farther through my pregnancy. I've been doing all of my own prenatal care, getting to know my body, getting to know my baby, um, listening to Yolanda's birth affirmations, which were amazing. Um, And then I heard Sister Morningstar call out something that said, uh, you know, you need to unpack your fears before birth. And I had this fear of stillborn for some reason that kept coming up and it came up in June's birth. So I actually reached out to sister and not for necessarily help in the birth at all, but just to like, how, what are tools I can use to unpack this and just have like wise woman witnessing. That was another really cathartic thing. And we ended up kindling actually a really beautiful friendship and connection that was like very organic, very natural, right? Like came together for both of us. Um, And she offered to actually like, if I needed support in birth at any point, you know, I could reach out to her or, which I didn't feel like I necessarily needed, you know, but it was really nice to have that offer and actually did come in handy, um, for one chapter in the third stage. Um, so we continued on, um, with the pregnancy, uh, the, I was in perdomal labor for probably five days before and the night of, um, I could feel like things coming in waves. I had a really bad flu before that. And so I was in this denial state of like feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm having like a leg of this flu coming back on again. So at like 1.30 in the morning, I'm like up like, oh great, here it comes. And then go back down and lay down. And all the while I'm actually in labor, but like not acknowledging it, right? And at that stage of getting into this birth, um, I remember like when I fully released all my fear. And it was the day before. And I remember this feeling of peace. And this was really key is I was like, I am ready. I am ready for this to happen any way that it's going to happen. And I'm going to own it. Right. Um, And that was a really beautiful thing of surrender. And lo and behold, like it started to take shape at that point. Um, And I remember it was so easeful, like starting into this. So at about like 2.55 in the morning is when I finally came to the conclusion, okay, I think I'm actually in labor right? This is actually getting really intense. Um, and I was like, I better call my husband and have him come up here and help me fill this pool. Because at this point now, I don't think I could fill the pool because I've been in denial thinking that I have a weird leg of this flu lasting. And he comes up and um, very graciously, I'm, you know, it was so calm. Everything was so peaceful. And Emily, like, literally, it just went into full force. Like, but there was no fear at that moment. And so the only thing that came up as it was progressing is he's up there, he's filling the pool. And all of a sudden, like 15 minutes into it, I'm like, oh my gosh, my body's like pushing. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. So now like all the work I did, right, to prepare, I'm like, this is really quick. And so I'm like taking full ownership. I'm checking myself, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see, I can feel like something. And I'm like, and my body is pushing, like in, you know, like I'm not doing I'm just in that moment and I'm like, well, this is quick. So I started to doubt myself for a second and th- not doubt myself, but going, this is really quickly, this is happening really soon. Um, and I, you know, I said, he goes, oh, you think the baby's going to be born when the kids are going to school? And I'm like, oh no, no, nope. I think this is going to happen really soon. This is at like, you know, three o'clock in the morning, three Um, he's getting the pool ready. I'm like leaning over stuff. My body is pushing. I'm like, oh my gosh, my body really is pushing at this stage. And I'm like, do you want to check me? And he's like, me check you. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm feeling. (laughs) Cause this is like, I don't either, (laughs) (laughs) but just like these sweet moments of connecting like the rawness. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I got this. And, um, but that was the stage. And then, you know, the pre-prep before that is like working with sister Morningstar was like, you know, just surrendering, letting go as we were talking through this, like you need to just let it wash over you. And I remember those wise words and, and the knowing in myself on my myself journey is like, this is just going to be what it's going to be. Your body is amazing. And it's got this. So he gets the, the pool ready and it's literally only got 12 inches in it because we ran out of hot water and I'm in the pool writhing around. I think I actually Googled what does 10 centimeters look like right before getting in that pool, Emily. And it was like a bagel. And I'm like, Well, this can't be a bagel. Forget it. Let it go. And literally, it was. I, you know, I check myself again. I feel the waters bulging. My body is, you know, bearing her down. The waters rupture. It was beautiful. It was crazy. I feel her drop into the birth canal, and it was like everything split open. Not in a bad way, in a powerful way. And it wasn't really painful. It was intense, but it wasn't really painful. And as soon as I surrendered into that and let that thinking mind go everything started taking shape. I took the washcloth. I was holding it, holding it over myself underneath the water, asking my husband, you know, get in here. And he's, you know, he's behind me, but I'm like, she's coming now. And this is all in a span of like maybe 20 minutes, right. From like, it just happening so suddenly. And all of a sudden her head's coming out and he catches her. I had thought at one point, do I want to catch her? But Uh, it felt right in that moment that I wanted his hands to be the first as I held my body and gave and gave way to that. And he passes her over to me. And it's just the most incredible moment of power of like, it happened. It can happen this quickly, this quickly. Right. Um, and I'm in the, in the pool with her and I I pass her over my legs, sitting there for a while and get out. And then it's time. I felt it was the time to birth the placenta. And I lean over this pool and this is where, or this bowl, and this is where it kind of takes a little bit of a turn because as the placenta comes out, the membranes stay in and separate it from the placenta. And I wasn't concerned at all. I, you know, I think, you know, that could have been a place where I could have sabotaged myself,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but um, I wasn't in that moment. I was fully in peace and in power. Like she, it was the most beautiful I would even dare to say painless experience of this birth, intense, but but pain-free compared to June's where when I was losing my head, it was excruciating. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. But when allowing it to wash over and fully surrender and trusting your body and unpacking those fears, it was incredible. And there was nobody else there to outsource to, right? There was nobody there to give me a gaslighting dialogue or anything my husband just held presence he was calm um so when this placenta came out and the membrane stayed attached I tried to tug on them they wouldn't come and I'm like okay well and he's like well is this something to be concerned about I'm like no not right now I'm not bleeding a lot um but this is where sister morning stars offer really helped because I was able to detect you know it's She was in Nova Scotia teaching this training um, and, you know, had no cell service. So I text her over WhatsApp a picture um, to the few people I said that I would, you know, asked when she was born. She goes, how's everything going? I said, it's great, except for there's some, there's part of the placenta is stuck. And she's like, what? And so I sent her a picture and she walks me through of turning the membranes, twisting the membranes like a rope. And I'm trying, I've got the baby. I'm twisting the membranes. They're still not coming, you know, Um, all the while. And I didn't know this until I connected with her at your festival is that she was twisting with me chanting on the other side in Nova Scotia bless her beautiful heart. Um, So I finally had to take it a little more seriously and pass the baby over to Brian. You know, she was now connected to her placenta and her cord detached from me and really twist and twist and twist that membrane and I ended up moving to the bathroom because I tried multiple times um, and I moved to the bathroom until I could get in a squat and twist and twist. I had to use a paper towel cause it's so slick, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't scared. I just kept visualizing release, release, release. And finally it was much larger than I thought. It was like a good, like probably softball ish size. Um, And that's what it was stuck. It was stuck on the pelvic bone. And so I twisted and I pulled and I knew everything had come out at that point. Um, But that could have easily been a part where I could have fallen away and, and transferred, you know?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and a lot
1: of, yeah, a lot of women that I have talked to will make up that, that, that trailing membranes is retained placenta, Yeah, you know, which you know they just make it up because like no one knows anything right we're all just like in the very early stages of reclaiming all this birth education right (laughs) and so yeah sometimes I'll hear these transfer stories of that they made up that it was retained placenta and then it really was just trailing membranes and they just didn't know so I'm so glad that you had sister as a lifeline and
2: yeah that spiral move is a cool one to share on the podcast (laughs) And you just for everybody listening, you really have to twist much more than you think you have to twist. So if that well, it depends. It, it depends, yeah, I mean, mine yeah. was long enough Yeah. Just twisting at the end wasn't enough. and But it, then when it was done, it was fine, you know, um, but, but the other thing that sister said is actually, she thought that that was a second placenta, that there was a potential that that was an absorbed twin. Um, which is interesting in her teachings when she looked at it, cause I sent it to her. So there's all different variations of normal that we go through, right? Um, and after that stage, it was it was fine. You know, there was, but also the unpacking of the fear before that of learning to tune into what is fear versus what is intuition. I knew in my intuition, everything was fine. Uh-huh. And doing that that work. And I will say that Yolanda's birth affirmations were really helpful in this pregnancy of listening to that, I think from about 30 weeks on. I listen to that every evening just to have a meditative mode. Yeah. And there's the thought that when you train your brain waves before you go to sleep, mm-hmm. right. You carry that, like that, that reprogramming. And mm-hmm. so, you know, part of those resources is really helpful when you can go in with that calm and know that there, I think there's a line in there. She says, I have fear, but um, what is it? I have fear, but I am not the fear or something. She acknowledged. Yeah, I think
1: it's, I feel fear, but I'm not afraid. Yes, I feel free of fear, but I'm not. I afraid. love it's one of my favorite favorite lines.
2: Yeah, that resonated so deeply because mm-hmm. and going through this and navigating this and stepping out of what is quote unquote normal, you know, even yeah. there is you can feel fear and that's normal. That's fine. Of course, you know, that's fine. With it.
1: Epic. And then you're like, yeah, three months postpartum, I'll just come down and vend it mrf (laughs) and crush it you had the prettiest booth (laughs) oh you're so sweet yeah
2: that was that was a that was a whole trial in itself just (laughs) with a newborn but it was awesome and the mud
1: tree arc rising next year will be more chill
2: (laughs) well next year it won't be like a 10 week old baby strapped (laughs) to my chest um and setting up a booth with all these totes right Mm -mm, and mm
1: Yeah. It'll be easier. Next year's our year of ease. It's going to be the full moon on solstice, no rain.
2: Yes. It's going to be beautiful. So, so Well, nice. I love,
1: love, love, love your stories. It's such a journey. And I know so many women are going to just resonate with your take on it and, and just be so inspired by your evolution.
2: Thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful Beautiful journey that we all go through to get where we need to be, right? Unique to each of us. Proud of you. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed the show today. You can support this podcast by donating to it on freebirthsociety.com and leaving an awesome review on whatever platform you listen on. The more reviews, the more visibility the show gets, so let's spread the word of Sovereign Birth. We've always got a lot going on at Free Birth Society and you can find out about all of it at freebirthsociety.com, at Society on Instagram, and opt in to my newsletter below in the show notes. We offer courses on free birth, authentic midwifery, and the blood mysteries, as well as one-on-one coaching, in-person retreats, and of course our annual women's festival. Our exclusive, vetted, private membership is definitely something to check out if you're looking for a community of wise sisters. Together we rise. We must speak our stories, claim our lives, and support one another. This is the living revolution, and I am so grateful to be in it with all of you. I'll leave you with our epic Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I
0: honour you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured, eons upon light beams of survival withstand. birth in captivity, the picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes, strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles, my family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison, we reject your fear, we choose love, everything with intention, Death ascension, I will fly and bring her back from the stars.